show number 83 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Okay. What did we say it was? Show, show 82. 82. Wow. Unbelievable, man. Man, we sure can talk. <laughs> When it's about Bill, yep. endless. Endless. Or Star Trek, just endless. Endless. Mm-hmm. Well, we wanted to start off this show because some people did their homework. Yes. And we're very proud of that. Yeah, we've been we've been hearing from people with, with homework and reports and sightings and so, you guys rock. It's amazing. So here let's start with this first thing. Okay. A couple shows ago we were talking about other starship captains. Right. And we asked you guys to think of who else you would pick as a starship captain. Now, we didn't put too many criteria on that other than we thought that the the people that you picked needed to be captainly. (laughs) Captain material. Captain material. And, you know, you can interpret that however you want to interpret that. So I'm going to read the first one, and this came to us from our man in New Zealand, Gregory Gray. And I'm going to read his email because I thought the whole thing was good. He says, here's my pick for the 12 star captains. Fuck that no woman captains rule. My criteria were leadership, determination, charm and hotness, ability to hold their liquor, and butt-kicking ability. Plus, for Bill's sake, the women had to be totally doable. Some of the below are there for the roles they have played in the past and some for their acting ability if they were ever allowed to be the captain. I think they could all portray the willpower needed to be captains. So th- these are his 12, and they all have a parenthetical that explains why they're on the list. Okay, good. So the first one is Angela Bassett for butt-kicking, which I totally agree yes, with. Yes, yes. Charlotte Rampling, piercing stare of command. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Diana Rigg, the Avengers, total butt-kicker. Ed Bishop, he says UFO, already is a space captain. I don't know who Ed Bishop is. I don't is. either. But I'll take his word for it. Helen Mirren, kicking butt while remaining seated. <laughs> You know, she would be an awesome, awesome captain. I totally agree with that. James Spader, give Bill a run for his money in the rip it a shirt and see photo. So I'll I'd add that he put together a little um, photo compilation out of all these people. And yep. it's a pretty good picture of Spader. I'll, I'll post this so everyone can see. Um, Michael Caine, looks good in uniform. He would be good, yes. Very good. Oliver Reed, wins, hand down, win, wins hands down on the liquor holding, but most likely <laughs> to have ship mutiny. <laughs> Which I also Very true, with. on okay. all counts. Tony Collette, couldn't find a butt-kicking photo. One Australian captain is essential. Yes, <laughs> and I, I love Tony Collette. Yeah. Um, Tim Wera Morrison, who played Boba Fett. Uh, muscles plus charm and hotness. Okay. So I could go for that. Tilda Swinton. <gasps> yes, kicked ass as Angel Gabriel in Constantine. I've got to add, she also kicked ass as... Um, <clears throat> the uh, the evil queen witch or whatever she was in the Narnia movie. Yes, she was incredible. Mm-hmm. And uh, in uh, Michael Clayton, that movie which mm-hmm. has just been nominated for a shitload of Oscars, mm-hmm. and I saw it, and I remember nothing about that movie except thinking how incredible she was. Mm-hmm. So she'd be a so, great captain, great, definitely good choice. And then uh, last mm-hmm. person on the list is William Shatner, and in parens he puts William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the reason. So I agree with all those choices. I, I think those are some excellent choices for Starship Captain. And he gets a lot of gold stars for including little photos. I yes. Mean, that's, yes. That's awesome. Very thorough. Very, very thorough. I love that list. So we have another list? We have a couple others. Mark Stanley wrote to us. Mm-hmm. He posted on the blog. Possible female captain, Stockard Channing. Mm-hmm. Be very, very good. He also says Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. That would be an excellent choice. I agree. He said, I think Colm Meany, Chief O'Brien, yes. would do well. Mm-hmm. And this last one, I love the, the parenthetical remark. Leslie Nielsen, serious drama version. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Now, you know, Leslie Nielsen was the captain in Forbidden Planet. Yes. And Forbidden Planet is a weird movie. Um, it has some really good things about it and some really stupid things about it because of the time that it was made at. But I thought he was a very good captain in that. He's... Um, Sort of in in Kirk mode, he's very much a get-it-done kind of guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not very intellectual, but wants to keep things kind of moving along. His crew members are idiots. They're just totally incapable. But, you know, he does get to romance the woman in there. Okay. And, you know, this is very young Leslie Nielsen in 1954, whenever that movie was made. So, yeah, I could see that. Okay. Yeah. So we also got a list from Jamie Dunst. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, his his number one is, is Gina Torres, and her credits are Firefly, Serenity, mm-hmm. Matrix, Alias, Cleopatra, two thousand twenty five. Mm-hmm. 
Sean Connery. James oh, yes, Bond. of course. Of course. Roger Moore. Yeah. James Bond. Sigourney Weaver. Yes. And her credits are Alien, Aliens, <laughs> etc. <laughs> Linda Hamilton. Oh, yes. Terminator, yes. Terminator and Terminator 2. Tori. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this is a typo because I can't pronounce what's written, but I think it's Higginson uh-huh. from Stargate Atlantis. Okay. And I, I don't watch Stargate. So I don't, I don't either. know. But I'll take <clears throat> your word for it, Jamie. Uh, Joe Flanagan from Stargate Atlantis. Richard Dean Anderson, or as we like to call him, Richard Dean Anderson from MacGyver. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Lena Headey from uh, 300, Terminator, and Sarah Connor Chronicles. okay. Don't remember her. Um, Dennis Haysbert, 24, The Unit, The Allstate Commercials. Oh, the guy in the Allstate commercials? Yeah, I know who that is. Okay. Jacqueline Smith from Charlie's Angels. Okay. Now, I don't know that I would have picked any of the Charlie's Angels, but I didn't watch it enough to Mm -hmm. really know if there was anything really Mm -hmm. worthwhile there. This one's interesting to me because I I know who it is and I know something about her. Mary McDonnell from uh, Battlestar Galactica Dances with Wolves Independence Day. I think that's an interesting choice Mm -hmm. because... um, Having her, having seen her play this leadership role in Battlestar Galactica, it would be a very, very different sort of starship mm-hmm. captain. And uh, so I'm not sure I would go in that direction, but I'd sure love to see what, mm-hmm. what, would, what would she come up with. You know, that would be very interesting. And then his last one is Amanda Tapping from Stargate SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis. Again, don't know who she is, but good homework, Jamie, and thanks oh, yeah. for citing all the credits, yes. which makes it probably easier for people more tuned in than we are. <laughs> so I, I um, even though we don't know some of the people who were cited here, I trust our listeners, and I think if they put somebody down on the list, that person probably has a, a a good reason for being there. Yes. Yes. I agree. So that was awesome. I'm so glad people responded to that. Mm-hmm. Yay. I think all those people would make excellent captains. That's right. You know, another question we should just throw out there for our users. Your users, users <laughs> listeners. Our people. Our peeps. <laughs> we have people. We have people. Our, our posse. <laughs> okay. For the posse. Who would make absolutely the worst Star Trek captains? Who comes to your, just uh, right off the top of your head? Marla MacGyvers. <laughs> yeah. You know who I thought of? Ed Wynn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, he would make a terrible starship terrible. captain. Okay, so seriously. <clears throat> okay. Mo- so many people <clears throat> that we encountered as crew people would make horrible captains. Why are they in Starfleet? <laughs> Well, you know, not everybody should, is or should be captain material. There are people who just don't belong in Starfleet, but there are people who are, you know, fine at their job and would you would never want them commanding. I guess so. I mean, I, I wouldn't want Scotty commanding. No, that's true. That's true. But uh, it's some people in particular, like MacGyver, is is one of them because she's such a dunce. I mean, yeah. she she really is awful. Um, the guy in. Um, I, I can't remember their name, but we've talked about them. The, the guy in Balance of Terror, who's totally prejudiced against Spock and keeps, you know, calling him whatever he calls him. <laughs> the whiny girl in Court Martial. Yes, her. Her. <laughs> she should not even be allowed to exist. Although I do love that she goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> Why are these people on a starship? I mean, they're just, they're terrible. We have seen tons of competent people, but they stand out because they are so incompetent. And, and like Rand. Rand could never command a starship. Can Rand, you imagine? Okay, Rand could not rise above waitress. Just ridiculous. You know, when, when you consider the incredibly competent people surrounding them, mm-hmm. you know, it's like Rand Uhura. Rand Uhura. <laughs> Same bridge, different universes. Chekhov? No. I don't see him as a captain. I, didn't he get to be a captain later on, I suppose? No, he got... Uh, Sulu got to be a captain. captain. Chekhov, which I think is pretty funny, became head of security. Oh, there you go. This guy who's screaming all the time? Yeah. Oh, there must be a problem down in security. <laughs> I wouldn't want him commanding my ship. No. 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 Definitely not. So... I wouldn't want him commanding my Tinker Toys. <laughs> 
So, anyway, I just... Good question. I think that's an excellent question. Yeah. I, I, I would restrict it to say, I, I want people to be very specific. Who have we seen in, in all of Star Trek? doesn't have to be TOS. Okay. Who have we seen in all of Star Trek that we, we would never want to be promoted to the captaincy? There are lots of choices. There are, there are lots and lots and lots. Yeah. So, take your pick. I've just named my my un, my unfavorite. <laughs> Your unchapel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know she's in medicine. She's never going to be there. Well, you know, it, on that note, like people being very competent in what they do, and shouldn't be Captain McCoy. Mm-hmm. Would, oh, he'd be a terrible. Would captain. be a terrible captain. <laughs> Fabulous doctor. He'd be barking at people all the time. <gasps> Here, <laughs> take, take this pill. Get out of my face. <laughs> we can't do that. You know, just. Oh, yeah, he'd be a pretty bad captain, and I, I think Spock would be a pretty bad captain. Yeah, I agree. Although Spock, uh, certainly young Spock, like the the, mm-hmm. the TV series year Spock, no way. We saw that in Galileo 7. Didn't, yes. Didn't work. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that episode is just like a total exaggeration because he's been first officer, and he's been on ships as an officer uh-huh. for how long, and he's never led an away mission. Mm-hmm. But um, I think late, later years Spock... He might be okay, not as commanding a starship, certainly mm-hmm. not one at the, the forefront of battle or things mm-hmm. like that, but I think he would be good at commanding other things like a, a star base because I think he learned and grew a lot. And since it appears that, you know, 95% everybody in Starfleet is mm-hmm. human, he mm-hmm. he learned to, to work with them and to understand them in ways that would be absolutely necessary for a commander to oh, understand. Oh, I agree. And, you know, they didn't talk about this much, but it was clear that there were other ships that were like scientific expedition ships. That's all they did. Right. Which is to go and, and examine things, and that would be good for him, I mm-hmm. think. He'd be very good for that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Do you think Mitchell would make a good starship commander? Not the guy we saw in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe later, you know, if he had kind of grown and, and gotten more responsible. Well, this is the thing. It's very difficult because you have to look at the Mitchell from maybe the first 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. To, to think about that. And also, it's really hard not to be at all, not to have my opinion colored at all by, you know, the the way I've written him in fanfic, mm-hmm. who would be a terrible captain. Mm-hmm. And uh, some other things, I don't know, I think there certainly is potential there. There's potential, but he does a couple things that are really bad in the context of um, his character on the ship. Mm-hmm. First of all, he's a little too familiar with Kirk. <laughs> Even though they went to the no seriously, yes. I mean, even though they went to the academy together, when they get into the elevator together, it's very much a collegial relationship and not a subordinate relationship. Well, here's the thing: look and at they're the not re- peers. No, but look at the relationship Kirk has with Spock when they are alone, and I'm not mm-hmm. talking about the KS relationship, <laughs> but I'm talking about then it's it's it is two equals mm-hmm. dealing with the ship's problem, and I th- I think that. Um, Certainly between many captains and their first officers, there is that relationship. And I don't think it's so much captain and, and subordinate. It's mm-hmm. captain and, and, you know, trusted advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't see that as so bad. And certainly um, we see Mitchell take the initiative mm-hmm. a couple of times. You know, when he gets in the lift and he said, Joe's not a little nervous. Yeah. I thought I better get up there. Uh-huh. And then... Um, also, when we saw him, you know, after he'd been zapped, telling what's-his-face Kelso about, you know, those those things are, are burned yeah, out, yeah. those technical uh-huh. things, doohickeys. And I'm not kidding, Lee. Mm-hmm. You know, he just, he really snaps that out mm-hmm. in, in a way that you could see him being in charge and being taken seriously as mm-hmm. a commander, but you could also see, you know, the, 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 the playful... Um, Pussy hound side. Of him. <laughs> it's true. Now the other thing that he does—he doesn't have the warmth that Kirk. No, has. he doesn't. When he calls um, Elizabeth Daner a walking refrigerator on the bridge, mm-hmm. when other people can hear, yeah. that's insubordination. That yes, that yes. is just like shut up. You do not say that and, about somebody else. And Jim should have slapped him down. Totally. In fact, there was a really good uh, fanfic years ago. I remember reading where. Um, Kirk had to, you know, slap Mitchell down and say, you know, you can't be familiar in that way, mm-hmm. you know, that he had to, to set the boundaries yeah, yeah. once he, you know, was in command. And it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. So. But, of course, the fanfic, as fanfics do, take the 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 um, the route then that that's set off like evil Mitchell or, you know, anyway. 
But I always thought that was an interesting situation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, we might just watch that episode. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, do we have another email that we wanted to read? Oh, I'm pretty um, sure we do. Well, you wanted to mention that someone sent us a wonderful still. Amanda <gasps> yes, sent us yes, a wonderful Amanda, still. Yes, Amanda, I'm looking for it. And the topic was Holy EVE. <laughs> We're going to have to post this one. Okay. Um, it is from, I want to read this because some people say don't, don't say my name. Okay. Um, it's, oh, it does say, please don't say my name on the air. So I won't say her last name. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Glad I stopped myself. Girls, I just saw the biggest EVE I have ever seen. <laughs> Check it out in Wolf in the Fold at 41 minutes and 29 <laughs> seconds. You need the moving picture to get the full effect, but here is a still. Great example to whip out when you are converting a non-believer. It's a great picture. It is an amazing picture. It really So it's a shot of Kirk and Spock walking down the corridor in, in the ship, and he's wearing a wraparound green shirt. And his package is so big. It's amazing. Look at that. It's just right there. Yeah. Right there. There's some woman coming up behind him, too. Yeah, so we'll, we'll definitely post that. In fact, we can post... But I love that, the, that she was so specific <clears throat> on this. This is exactly where it is, because Wolf in the Fold is not an episode I like. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I ever really just, you know, need that pick-me-up. Mm-hmm. It's there. Go there. 41 minutes, 29 seconds. Bam! There's his EVE walking down the bridge. Yeah. Walk down the corridor. Looks great. Looks great. And that, you know, yeah. Oh. It's just there. Just there. Just there. Oh, good homework. Yeah. Good, good homework. Did I have something else? You did. Kirk, Kirk is everywhere. Bill <gasps> is everywhere. Yes, we had a Kirk is everywhere, and I have to find that. Okay. Oh, there it is. Okay, here it is. Oh, the images are something different. Okay, this from Shannon says, ladies, Kirk is everywhere. Three exclamation points. <laughs> I was on a 10-day cruise at the beginning of the month with Oceana Cruise Lines, and lo and behold, halfway through comes on Mud's Women, <laughs> and the one whose name I can never remember, the Gary Lockwood Show, <laughs> on a continuous loop three times a day for the last four days wow. of the cruise. I was sharing my cabin with my 19-year-old son, who thinks I'm a loon anyway, muttering, look at that Kirk light. (laughs) He asked me what I was talking about, so I had to explain. Now I'm certifiable. But both of you were in my thoughts as always. Long live my butt girls. That is... uh, That's great. So he's conquered cruise ships. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's great. I love hearing this stuff. I love knowing that we have totally corrupted you guys uh-huh. into looking for EVEs, looking for Kirklight, looking for butt shots. And it is everywhere. It is everywhere. It is absolutely everywhere. Uh, uh, yeah. Thank, thank you so much, Shannon. That was great. I think we, we probably can take just a little, little smidge of credit for how well the new DVDs are selling. <laughs> Okay. Okay, why not? That. Okay. Last thing before we, we break for the break, which is just to say that, uh, as everybody knows, probably, the, the official trailer for Star Trek Eleven is out. They were showing it with Cloverfield, and now it's on the internet. You mm-hmm. can watch it. It's very short. Yes. Uh, it's, what, like 10 seconds or something. And it's basically some ship porn. <laughs> That's what I thought. With Leonard Nimoy doing <laughs> a voiceover saying, Space the Final Frontier. Now, I have to say something about Leonard Nimoy's voice. To me, he doesn't sound like Spock anymore. He sounds like an old Jewish man, <laughs> which he is. Well, I remember seeing it and thinking he did sound old. I didn't tag to the, the Jewish part. But, you know, he doesn't sound like Spock anymore. I'm sorry. It's not even that. I know to some extent, because I'm totally avoiding spoilers, uh-huh, uh-huh. so everybody be aware of that. Um but I know they're trying to, to, to do this setup to Star Trek, young Kirk, young Spock, and having Nimoy say it, I'm sure it probably ties into what they're doing with the script. It doesn't pull me in the way it would if it were Bill's mm-hmm. voice. I agree. So, there you go. You can go watch it. It's on YouTube, and I'll, probably, I'll try to put the link in for it. Um, it. I mean, the ships, the special effects look very nice, you know. Ship porn. Yeah. Lots of pretty lights and yep. people soldering and using arc welders in space. I'm not quite sure how that works <laughs> since there's no air. <laughs> what keeps the flame pee, lit? Pee, I don't pee, know. Pee, pee. <laughs> you need air for the... Anyway. Um, so... Wait, is it making <laughs> noises because you don't, you know, you wouldn't hear noises either. I, you know, I think there's just some... some um, 
faux TOS music laid in over the top of it, uh-huh. I think, is what it is. Yeah. Okay. So, um, we'll, we'll try to keep some news without doing any spoilers as, as we find out about it. I had heard somewhere that they did have to delay things a little bit because of the writer's strike. Really? Yeah, that they weren't, they didn't have enough writing. <laughs> well, I think it, it might not even be that. It might be they had a completed script, mm-hmm. but there are always rewrites yeah, as you're shooting, yeah, yeah. and they cannot do that, mm-hmm. you know. So we'll see if they make it on time. We'll see what happens. All right, let's take a break, and then we're going to come back and talk about some other stuff. Okay. All right, good. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. People, pay attention and write it down this time. Comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. you found the best podcasts in the universe. Mad about you. Yes. That's what it's called. So, so we broke our promise already. <laughs> well, we had to. Yes. We said we weren't going to review any more Boston Legal until the show got better. And of course it, it did. It got better. So uh, just one, though. Just, just one. Just, just one episode. Yes. There, this um, episode was called Mad About You. Mm-hmm. And quick recap is um, a, a couple that Danny knows. Uh, the woman murders the husband, hits him over the head with a shovel mm-hmm. out in the front yard yeah, it's, in broad it's, daylight. It's on his street or something because he's Doesn't driving it? home. They're yeah. like his neighbors, I yeah. guess. And uh, so Danny is going to defend her. Mm-hmm. And Alan, you know, offers to second chair, and Denny totally pushes him away. Denny, you know, says, I can do this alone. He wants... He wants this. He wants this murder case. He wants to be in the courtroom again, not just sitting and waiting. And so, of course, Alan and, and everyone is is very worried that mm-hmm. Denny is just going to not, <laughs> not be up to it. And I swear, more than half of this episode was to deal was dealing with Denny mm-hmm. and his case. Absolutely. I think it was three-quarters of it. There was another plot, but we didn't watch it, and it's not important. <laughs> no. And uh, Bill just gives a, a, a beautiful, uh, many-layered, multi-layered performance mm-hmm. um, in defending it. He does, you know, the, the sort of clown in the courtroom and the clown with the, the, the press and everything. But, again, it's a um, – there are some wonderful moments where you're questioning, is there a method to his madness? Mm-hmm. How much of the madness at this point or in that particular situation is put on – and how much is him? But then when he's away from the courtroom, you can see his fear mm-hmm. and uncertainty and his, his still determination to fight it through alone. Mm-hmm. And eventually, of course, he, he wins the case and, you know, celebration all around. But even so, you can see that he is as stunned at winning it as anyone mm-hmm. and is so grateful for this moment mm-hmm. in the sun, the moment mm-hmm. to be Danny Crane again. And there's one thing I have to just point out about this um, now on second viewing of it because it struck me so hard both times. Um, His closing argument, I cannot remember another time in a Boston legal closing argument done by anyone where they actually refuted the prosecution's evidence. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And he did. He just went right through it, you know, the way a lawyer would. Yes. It, it It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, there were so many things about this that, that I really, really liked. Um, and as you said, his performance was just really, really wonderful. Um, I found that in, in this one, in several of the episodes where they've had him dealing with the, the mad cow and the losing of his abilities and all that, it's come off, um, with more, you know, fear is part of it, but there's also been, um, some acceptance. Mm-hmm. And in this one, I felt like he was really rejecting it. Yes. It's like for once he was just really going to say, no, I am not going to accept that this is happening to me. I'm just going to go out there and do the best thing that I can. And I, I thought it was very interesting that 
what he was trying to do was create a defense for um, this woman that she had just snapped. That up until then, everything had been perfectly normal, and it was just one of those moments where she didn't really know what she was doing. And as he said in the closing argument, she lost herself. Mm-hmm. And this whole episode is about him finding himself yes. in that moment. In the moment of crisis, when he has to come through, that's when he really becomes the Denny Crane that he used to be. And everybody, nobody was sure that that was going to happen, mm-hmm. that he could summon that up again. So whereas he's making the case for someone losing it, in that moment, he's finding himself again. Yes, that was that's really nice. true. That's true. And I have to compliment Spader's performance, too. Really good. Because his reactions as he's watching this... And um, and when he goes in and, and says to Denny, that closing was brilliant. But when Denny finished the closing, the smile that and the, mm-hmm. the, the, the whole posture of Spader at that time was you could he, – he was so proud mm-hmm. that, that Denny had done this. Mm-hmm. And, and I think really glad that he had a chance to see Denny Crane mm-hmm. in the courtroom, which is something we've all been wanting to see. Mm-hmm. We wanted to see that moment. And – I was thinking on watching this, um, in some ways, to a you know a, a real Shatnerophile <laughs> like myself. Really? <laughs> yes. In some ways, sometimes you know it, it's almost difficult to watch Denny Crane because you know he's so Kirk mm-hmm. for me. I mean, Bill is, and to, to see him playing this this sort of uncertain, weakened, buffoonish character, you know, is sometimes a little hard. And I know a, a, a lot of other people you know, feel this way, whether they will admit it or not. And many people who have been saying, oh, we wanted to see, we want to see him shine in the courtroom. We want to see him really do it. I've been thinking, and I was thinking this as I was watching it, is it that we want to see him do Kirk? (laughs) You know, to be in control and be Mm -hmm. strong. And I was watching it, and here he was. He was in control. He was doing it, but... He was absolutely not Kirk. Totally not Kirk. And, you know, for for so many years, you know, there have been people saying, you know, well, Kirk was the perfect role, meeting mm-hmm. the actor and everything, and that's all he can do. This is so miles from Kirk. Mm-hmm. And it, it just... It's so Denny Crane. And it's so, it's so Denny Crane. And it was great that when... Bill had this this moment, this scene to play, that, you know, the guy is doing it, knows what he's doing and everything, that he... He didn't fall back on any of that, and mm-hmm. that he continued to play the subtext of, oh, my God, can I really mm-hmm. pull this off, mm-hmm. you know, which would not be Kirk. There, no. there was never any uncertainty never doubt. in him. Never and doubt. it's it's a beautiful, beautiful performance. Yeah, it was just great. There were a couple, two two things in particular that, that Bill was allowed to do, which were wonderful. One is after he gives the closing argument, he's sitting in one of the rooms waiting, and he's sitting very still with his hands kind of on the table and it's almost a meditative state i was thinking that just like in he's in this zen moment and you can tell he's trying not to think about anything because he's too scared to know what the verdict is and this is borne out in the dialogue that follows when um uh spader comes in and says to him you know let let's are you ready to go and he says will you go for me just go and come back and tell me what happens i don't want to do this i don't want to find it out and he somehow gets it together to Mm -hmm. go which was great. And then, again, at the very end, after he's won and he's coming out and there's press all around and he's being his normal crazy Denny self and saying all kinds of silly things, and he says to the, the woman who's assisting him, oh, uh, just i got to go do something, just give me a moment. He goes into that same briefing room, mm-hmm. and you can see, and I don't think we've ever really seen him do this before, he is right on the verge of losing it. Yes. I thought he was going to cry. Mm-hmm. I really did. Because he, he just looks like he cannot hold himself together for one more second. Yeah. And if um, Spader hadn't come in at that point, I think we might have seen that. But he's sort of saved by the yeah. fact that someone else comes into the room. And it was so great that, that they wrote something like that and that there was no dialogue to right. it, that it just had to rely on him as an actor. And I could, I, it, it sort of gave me like a, a little flashback to um, when I was in college, I, I did a solo piano recital, which was a, a huge, huge deal. And it wasn't something I had to do. My teacher sort of tricked me into doing it. <laughs> but anyway, I loved him anyway. And uh, if, I don't know, a month or so before the recital, he said to me, don't make yourself nervous. And I thought, you know, that's really good advice because I'm not going to be nervous. And so I just practiced. And if anybody, you know, said, or you know, wow, this is coming up, I said, yeah, but, you, know, I'm work- you know, I know I can do it. Not nervous at all. And when I did it, and, you know, I got through it, and it was mm-hmm. great and everything, when I came off stage... My knees buckled. Yeah, because all of that 
the emotion I had been keeping mm-hmm. under control so I could mm-hmm. do this just just hit me like that. And that's all I could could think was mm-hmm. that that's Definitely. it. That, that's just the way he played it. It was yeah. so good and so subtle. And you could just see all these things going across his face as he's trying to control it and almost not being able to. And then as soon as Alan walks in, he has to pull it together again. Mm-hmm. And he does and immediately goes back out to face the press. So that was great. That yes. was a wonderful scene. Really, mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, that that was great. And um, the discussion on the Shatner board about this, of course, was all very positive. And uh, I said, this, you know, this is for me the best episode of this season, mm-hmm. quite possibly that they've ever done. And a couple people pointed out something that I picked up on too, and I was glad to see other people pick up on it. That um, the music that crept in at the end. Mm-hmm was um, not the same music, but was very reminiscent of the music that was played at the end of Son of the Defender. Oh, really? Which is that Billy Joel yeah, yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. it was the, the same, you know, flavor, the same sort of piano stuff, but it, it went a little differently, so they weren't using the Billy Joel song, but they were certainly harking back to that, you know, mm-hmm. just a, a wonderful way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to say the woman who plays um, the, the murderess. Yes. <laughs> Is Bess Armstrong, mm-hmm. who everybody has seen in like a million um, TV things. Right, she's been, she looks great, by the way, for her she age. She looks great, and I've always thought she was she was beautiful, and not in this cliche Hollywood no, beautiful. No. And she looks wonderful. She gave a great performance. She did. I have to say that scene when she was on the stand describing what was going on with her marriage breaking up was really good. I mean, mm-hmm. it really felt um, very honest and heartfelt. And I noticed that. At the very beginning of the episode, when Denny walks up to her, what she says to him right there at the beginning is exactly what she says when she's in the courtroom. Yes. She didn't change her story at all, which, you know, when you're watching these episodes, you're, you're always like, is she really lying? Is she, you know, mm-hmm. really telling the truth? And for me at that moment, I was like, wow, she really is telling the truth. That's yeah. exactly what happened. Yeah, I'm glad there was no weird little twist at the yeah. end, like a wink of the eye, like, you yeah. know, I got away with it or anything like that. That, you yeah. know, it was quite quite sincere yeah. that, that she and quite evident she was speaking the truth. I have to tell our <laughs> listeners though something that, uh, you know, the defense was that she was um, pre-menopausal mm-hmm. and that your, you know, estrogen levels are going crazy and, you know, that you could just snap like mm-hmm. that, not long-term mental illness or anything. And that was the defense. And the <laughs> prosecutor gets up and starts his closing argument with, what if we gave every pre-menopausal <laughs> woman a uh, Get out of jail, free card, and both of us raised our fists in the air and went, "Yay!" <laughs> works for us. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. that. I'm good with it. Totally works for us, and I'm sure all many many other women would agree with that. Yes, so that, I think that was so. great. That was great. Um, so now, one one other slightly off um, topic comment was that. You had mentioned to me that you'd seen Bill in some interviews recently. It looked like he'd lost some weight. Oh, yes, yes. And um, I thought he, he looked a bit slimmer in that World of Warcraft <coughs> commercial, which mm-hmm. is currently playing on TV. In this particular episode, it looked to me like Spader had lost a little bit of weight. He looked a little thinner to me. Uh-huh. So I think that they either had a bet or Bill just got very competitive. And he said, uh, I'm not going to let him lose weight and not have me That's lose That's right. Weight. Yeah, yeah. Well, he is very, very competitive, so I do wonder if, if there was a bet or uh, a challenge. A challenge, sort. yes. Perhaps an unspoken challenge. Yes. But I can imagine that would be the one thing that would kind of goad him into doing it. In fact, I'm kind of surprised that that has not been in the show. <laughs> Maybe it will be now. I mean, yeah, because they do listen to us. But, of course, the writers are on strike, so maybe next season. But, you know, with, uh, you know, Alan and Denny, you know, mm-hmm. one of them making a, a comment about you're getting pretty pudgy. Well, you know, you're you're not exactly mm-hmm. slenderific yourself. And, and then the two of them sort of uh, battling that out. That would be a silly little subplot. I think it would be very funny. So, yep, great, great, great episode. And not too many other people in this episode, which mm-hmm. is always points in, in that favor. Mm-hmm. Not too many of the secondary characters. Right. So I was happy to see that. <laughs> Whom Bill called the babies. The babies. <laughs> Get one of the babies to, to second chair. <laughs> yep, that was really good. So uh, it would be nice if they gave him more stuff like this to do. I think it would be great. I am wondering, I know we talked about this before, but if they're ever going to show an episode where he loses... I mean, this this one felt to me like it could have gone that way. Yes, and, you know, and Alan even says to him, you know, it's not just that it could be your first courtroom loss. It would, you know, if it's through you being buffoonish or incompetent, that will completely tarnish your legacy. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if they 
will ever do that. I mean, it's a show that in many ways is not afraid to push the envelope, yeah. but... I don't know. I don't know. It, there was a lot of dramatic tension in that last scene. I mean, oh, they, yeah. they milked it for all it was Oh, they worth. sure did. You know, there's it's it's totally silent, and everybody's on the edge of their seats, and Denny gets up, and he knocks over a pile of index cards that are on the table, and then he gets on his knees, and he collects. It's like, come on! Yeah, yeah, yeah they were really... <laughs> like, he, you know, they were really playing it like he's going to go up to the jury box and go, boogie, boogie! <laughs> see her come back as his girlfriend don't you oh think? yeah i love Another her thing. The, the other thing we got to comment about this his first address to the jury <laughs> when he was you know just playing to them talking to the jury we just went oh charm <laughs> Total oh charm. charm in fact i wanted to talk about this a little bit um their big article in time magazine recently about why we flirt or how we mm. flirt or maybe it was in not in time or in something else but anyway it was uh listing the things that like a person who flirts successfully mm-hmm. does. And they're saying, you know, not all flirting is sexual. It is a way of, mm. of, of communicating and connecting with yeah. people. And you could go down the list and go, Bill, 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 <laughs> Bill. But, but one of them is the focus. Mm-hmm. That when you are talking to this person and this person is talking to you, that it's just right on. There is, you know, none of this looking over the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Who else is there? Just totally, totally honed in. And that uh, they also have a very open body posture mm-hmm. it was really interesting <laughs> and that they're also very confident but not in an annoying way mm-hmm. very positive people that's bill yeah and kirk yes both yes and that's part of what makes them attractive is is this positive mm-hmm. aura that they have but you know there he is with the jury and it's it, it's different than when you see other people play lawyers and play to the jury and they're sort of addressing the jury mm-hmm. as a group mm-hmm. He gets right up there. He gets right up there and is really, really just into them. Not making a speech to them, but talking to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I also wanted to say that the scene where he actually seduces this woman, Penelope, mm-hmm. is very good. Yes. It's it's very clear from the outset that they're going to get together. Oh, yeah. And he said, you know, I've had my eye on her for years. And when they first embrace, he squeezes her ass. And she doesn't resist at all. So it's clear no. that there's some attraction going on. So it's not like he's seducing someone who doesn't want to be seduced. And in this scene, they're in his office and they're getting drunk. <coughs> and uh, just going through all of this. And they're sitting very close on the couch. And I just love the way he does it where... The talk between them is totally Mm non-sexual. They're talking about the trial, and he's saying to her, you have to be strong, and I don't want to see you cry in the courtroom. You know, you have to do this. And all the while, his hand is, like, creeping up her thigh. (laughs) But finally, he gets him really, really close and says, what What? can we do to make you feel strong? strong. (laughs) And I thought that was a very interesting thing. To say, mm-hmm. I mean, certainly it made sense in the the context of their conversation, mm-hmm. but I don't know that many men realize that would be a, an after effect of really good sex for women. Oh, yeah. So, it was perfect. Yeah. It was perfect. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I love seeing him do that kind of stuff. He's so good at it. He's so Bill. He is. He's so Bill. <laughs> So, you know, bravo, Boston Legal. I have to say that it seems like in just about every season they have, you know, given Bill one mm-hmm. bang-up episode. So to speak. So, so to speak. <laughs> she had to get a bone up on the case. That was funny. Um, and this one is certainly, certainly worthwhile television. Absolutely. All right. Let's take a little break, and then we're going to come back with some more stuff. Cue the music.
put us on the wrong road, everyone. It's okay. Uh, so, why were we in San Francisco? Oh, okay. Um, our friend John had told us that she had gone to the Museum of Modern Art, and there was an exhibit by this artist, uh, Scotchy. <laughs> a Scottish guy named Douglas Gordon. I Thank can't you. imagine a more Scottish name. <laughs> I could not think of his last name, Douglas Gordon. And uh, part of it was a video loop of uh, the Star Trek of Kirk kissing women mm -hmm. and slowed way down. We went, well, we've got to go do this. <laughs> so let, let us set the scene for you. So um, San Francisco being the leftmost place in the entire world, the museum is, is new, uh, relatively speaking. It's mm -hmm. been designed by this architect. It's, it's very daring architecturally. And when you walk in the lobby, you are immediately confronted by a piece of modern art, a.k.a. <laughs> a fan on the end of a long rope that kind of swings around in the lobby like a pendulum and you have to keep looking up because you're afraid it's going to smack you in the head. That's what I thought anyway. And if I believe it was a modern art joke on a ceiling fan. I thought it was a modern art joke on like Foucault's pendulum or something like that. And ceiling fan. And ceiling it was fan. Foucault's ceiling fan. It was both. Yes. Okay. So, so that sets the scene for you in terms of modern art. Um, and then you go upstairs to the installation, and there's a room that you walk in at first that explains what each piece is about. Well, it doesn't explain. It just kind of tells you what yeah. each piece is about. And then you walk down into a very hot, very dark room that had about, what was it, like 20 different monitors? I would say, Something yeah, like 20, 20 TV screens. And they weren't big TV screens. No, they were just normal-sized TV screens. And it's, and it's dark in there, so the lights are all off, and it's painted black. And all the TVs are in black boxes, and it's really quiet. Nobody's talking, and the, the TVs don't have any sound either. Mm -hmm. And they're showing mostly different things. Although I noticed there were three of them that were showing the elephant thing. Yeah. So all of the things are looped, and they all start and end at different times. And some of the loops are really long, and some of them are really short. There was one loop I saw that was probably about three seconds long, and it just kept looping and looping and looping. Wow. Like that. I didn't see that. Yeah. I was totally <laughs> focused on the one. The elephant one was actually interesting. It was um, a video of an elephant walking around in an all-white room that was taken from foot level with the elephant with a, with a moving camera mm -hmm. that was like it was on a skateboard or something. So that was kind of cool. And other weirder things, including some really sexual ones, one of which was really sexy and the other one was really hilarious. Um, this, the sexy one was Kirk. No, 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 besides <laughs> that one, besides the oh. Kirk one. It was video, um, of, it was a split screen and it was two um, hands on a bed and one hand was holding the other one down. And it was oh, I saw that. that was yeah. Very, very yeah. sexy. That was great. I liked that one a lot. It was two, obviously, men's arms too. Mm -hmm. and, and just the one that was being held down was kind of twisting around, but it was clearly not a violent struggle. It was a sexual thing, so right. I liked that one a lot. And then the hilarious one was the one we saw right when we came in <laughs> with um, his hands, I assume the artist, Douglas Gordon, his middle finger kind of fucking um, the palm of his other hand in a very sexual way. Oh, it was yeah. so funny. It was, it was clearly meant to be humorous. Okay, and then the one that we watched, which was uh, four clips? Uh, I think there were four. Okay, yes. so um, it was the scene of Nona and Kirk having mutual orgasms <laughs> while she heals his shoulder. From Mugatu Bite. Yes. The second one. And you know what? Yes. I think heal from Mugatu Bite is a, a sex act that they <laughs> offer in, you know, bordellos or some space bordellos. The next one was him um, kissing Sylvia from Cat's Paw, right? Yeah, she's creepy. And then it was him kissing um, Helen Noel. Oh, no, no, no. Next no. was. Uh, it was what our little girl's made of. Oh, right, right. Where he was switching her. And then, of course, the Helen Noel scene. Of course. Really oh, wait, no. So there were five. There was the Rand rape scene. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that one in um, Enemy Within. So five altogether. And each of them was slowed down very, very much. So it looked equivalent to when you're watching a video and you, you do it like one step up from, from frame by frame stepping through. Mm -hmm. But it was very, very slow. And it was clearly taken and, and meant to look from video, like not from a DVD because right. it was blurry and the colors were kind of oversaturated and it was completely um, soundless. There was nothing to it. And that was it. <laughs> that was it. And the whole thing, I think, took about a half an hour to yep. run, those five short scenes. Yep. The longest being the Nona scene. Yes, because it just goes on and on and on. Now, the interesting thing to me about this was it did really give you a chance to 
to study and really break down uh, his his kissing technique yes. and the whole thing. And so I was noticing some stuff in more detail that I have seen before, uh-huh. but hadn't you know really just focused on oh, that. Me too. And here here's what I was noticing. Now I, you know I've seen this bill seen Bill do this a million times. <laughs> is when he's going to kiss a woman, he many times starts out with his hands just resting on her shoulders. Uh-huh. And as he moves in for the kiss, he's looking to her directly in the eye. But right before the kiss, he always drops his eyes a little. Really? Looks down her a little and then back up to her eyes and then the kiss. And they're always so close, you couldn't say he was looking her body up and down. But that's what he's doing. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't notice that. Yes, he does that many times. And then as the, the kiss uh, uh, deepens, his one arm comes all the way around and pulls her closer by you know, holding her mm-hmm. opposite shoulder, and then the other one comes around her waist. Mm-hmm. This is the classic Shatner kiss. Definitely. So I was very focused on his hands for this whole mm-hmm. thing and how he does it. And I think that that is one of the things that makes his kissing technique so impressive is that when he's kissing a woman, he really enfolds her yes. in his embrace and not in an aggressive way, mm-hmm. in a very sexy way. Oh, yeah. You know, his hands are on her, but they're not pawing at her. He's just sort of holding her as totally as he can hold her yes. when they're being that close. And and that's just extremely sexy. Oh, yeah. When we walked in and we're watching it initially, I said, this needs porn music. <laughs> it definitely did. <sighs> so that was pretty much it. I mean, I, I'm, I wasn't sure what his point was. The, the description said something like, you know, scenes of Captain Kirk's climactic kisses with women and aliens. And it was called something like Predictable incidents in unfamiliar situations. Yes. That's the title of it. Which, okay, that's, you know, kind of a clever title, but I was going, okay, so, like, is our um, blowjob videotape of, from uh, Spock's brain, you know, because we run something backwards and forwards and make a blowjob, uh, is that art? I don't know. I don't know if this is art either. I think some of the other stuff in there was a little artier, like messagey. Yeah, this was fun, and maybe it's supposed to be within the context of all the other videoing things that he had going. See, what I would have liked to see is a whole wall of TVs, you know, like 8 by 8 so there'd be like 64 TVs, each running a different, you know, Shatner loop. Wow. That would be like Shatneration. It's like saturation, <laughs> but it's Shatner. Shatneration. Yeah, Shatneration. I like that. Yeah. That, that would be artistic. Well, maybe we could do that. We could probably make that digitally. Okay. Uh, we'll have to think about that. So, as But I'm a, I hope it wouldn't come out like the Brady Bunch thing. <laughs> That's true. could go there. You know, you could do a real funny Brady Bunch thing with clips of, of all of them. Because there are times when, if you put them together right, you know how they look down mm-hmm. and look at each other? You could do that with Star Trek. It would be funny. Okay. Stupid, but funny. <laughs> and maybe it's art. I don't know. So I'm not really sure what the point of that was. Uh, there were some other, just to give you a flavor for some of the other things, about half the videos were of him or things that he had filmed, clearly, and the other half were taken from existing footage. So there was this. There was one that had um, a scene from Taxi Driver. There was another one that had a scene from uh, The Exorcist. There were there was a Jen and Lee movie that I didn't recognize. It wasn't Psycho. It was something else. There were some silent films, um, and it was all juxtaposed for no particular reason that I could figure out. So, I wonder if that Shatner, the one we just saw, the Shatner Hitchin, was um, was part of the Shatner show up in Calgary, uh, or was that? I no, don't I know if there was all, any video. To no, it. I think it was all just um, paintings or objects. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was any video involved in it. So I can't say I'd recommend that. Something that you would go see? No. I'm glad we saw it. We yeah. We put it on the list of things that we've seen that's Shatner related. Right. And, you know, we could say, okay, it's a media bill has conquered, but, you know, he's already, you know, had a whole museum show devoted to him. So conquering museum, maybe modern art. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Scottish modern art. <laughs> but we, we um, do have to mention, you know, that was, that was fun. We had fabulous food while we were in the city. We did. Oh. So if you're ever in San Francisco, one place you might want to visit is the Westfield Center, which is a new shopping center right on Market Street. And it has some very fancy, fancy upscale shops in there, in addition to Bloomingdale, 
there's a really useful, wonderful shop up on the top floor. There is a, uh, a Clark's shoe store. Oh, really? They have nothing but Clark's shoes, and I bought shoes there. And Clark's shoes, you know, you can find them in some stores, mm -hmm. but there's usually like two or three styles. It's had a lot. That's great. In the basement is the food court, and it's a very upscale food court. And the place that we ate at today is one of the outposts of Slanted Door, which is a semi-famous restaurant in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, the original one is sort of hard to get into. It's also really loud, as I remember the last time we ate there. It was I hard haven't to have been a to the Slanted Door since they moved to their new location uh -huh. on the Barcadero. But um, this one's called Out the Door. Out the Door. And the food was very good. And we you can it. go there and get in their, like, cafeteria line and then, you know, take your food out to the tables in the, the food court. And I use that term really loosely because this place is so not a mall food court. <laughs> but um, we had we went to the actual reservation part in the back, you know, where there were sit-down tables and later service. And, oh, really yummy, yummy, yummy food. It was very good. And then after we left, uh, we got cream puffs and eclairs. At Beard Papa Sweets. Beard Papa Sweets, so also highly recommended. But they're not in the Westfield Center. That's right. So I think that kind of wraps it up for the uh, Shatner Vision part of this. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to go and um, we're going to go tape some regular episodes, and this will probably be tagged on to it. So um, this will probably be the last segment, so I guess oh, we'll okay. do our, our sign-off. So okay, so it doesn't matter what show this it is. It doesn't matter. It'll just be the end of some show. It's the end of a show. show. All right.